Having spent weeks on the move, the party has journeyed from the very depths of Egadon to its greatest heights. The crown of Egadon, the peak of the largest mountain in the fell, is less than a day away. As you rise on this cold morning, a snowy wind carrying across in front of you, strange sounds like icy whispers cracking in the wind. There's an eerie atmosphere about you as the end of your journey lies so close. Large carved stone steps mark your path upward, the way practically clear, free of any obstruction, obstacle, or enemy. Only the gods know what awaits you at the top. Well, shall we? It can't just be that easy, can it? Corio looks at the path, bending down to examine the stone of these giant stairs, and then looking back at Rolandir and says, Perhaps not, but perhaps it is. Though it is still a good journey, it looks close, perhaps, but I would reckon it will take us a good portion of the day, at least. I would suggest that at some point along the path, we rest for the night. That way we may reach the summit first thing in the morning, rather than coming upon it in the late darkness. So she motions to the still and ever-present sun in this twilight weird weather. I suppose it will only be dark in one's mind. Well, let's be on with it then. And Rylander's just going to kind of look for a general group consensus, and why not? He'll, he'll take the charge of the steps. Luna will follow after Rolandir, and assuming that Val isn't far behind her... Correct. She'll remark to him, This is strange, don't you think? For so long I thought it was far and away, and then suddenly reached the clouds, and and here we are. Frankly, I find the stairs the most unnerving part of this. What do you mean? Why are there stairs here? Well, this is some sort of altar, right, that we're supposed to find? I suppose. Then someone built it, and I guess back then, whenever it was made, they had to get here somehow. Perhaps all along there's been a path that we've just been skirting by or over this entire time. That will nod. He's taken some comfort in logic, <laughs> but he's still like, <laughs> he doesn't feel good about any of this. No, and you probably shouldn't. Even so, since these stairs, as I've said, get steadily larger. So from where you are, they are normal, human-sized steps. But then as they go up and up and up further, they grow wider and taller. They never grow to the height where you can't, like, put your elbows up and then work yourself on top of one. But even so, there aren't people or beings within the world that you know of that conform to such proportions. We climb. Or clamber, in Rolander's case. <laughs> oh, man. Well, gonna have get a, a boost every now and again. Yeah. I'm getting up these stairs. Jeez Louise. Because your leg is still like. It's set in a splint, and it's I'm like recovering, obviously, from just the pain of having a, a fasciotomy, apparently. We are not thriving, is no. the uh, TLDR. <laughs> yeah. And again, like I said, this is going to take a good portion of the day. And so really the choice therein lies with you all of if you'd like to reach the summit by quote-unquote nightfall, or if you want to take Corio's advice and stop maybe nine-tenths of the way up and camp out and summit in the morning of the next day. As we're walking up the steps 
and nothing's like going on right like that's the whole shtick with this place like after all the crap that we've been through everything's like weirdly normal here nobody's like heckling us or something there's not like (laughs) the peanut gallery is not laughing and pointing (laughs) that kind of unsettles me more than anything else you know that's calm before the storm bullcrap but as we're walking up the mock will turn to the others and he'll say I agree with Corio's plan we should rest before we reach the summit that way in the morning we can meet whatever challenges we shall face there on our own terms in the best possible condition given our current state he says kind of motioning to everybody but especially Rolandier (laughs) (laughs) kind of turning around at Vamok saying this Rolandier says although motioning his head now to Corio as she said there are others probably making their way up this same path as we speak if not already up there I don't know. I I think it's a risk we have to balance between being prepared getting there and maybe beating someone to it. Coriel will nod her head after this observation from Rolandir and say, It is true. I think whatever path you choose, however we move forward, I do not believe I will accompany you to the top. So perhaps wherever we decide to make camp, I can stay behind, provide a sort of sentry. Do you think there will be somewhere to make camp? I mean, she just motions to some of the further stairs that wind up the peak. And she says, I do believe so, yes. Uh, These stairs seem to offer a a generous flat surface, no? (laughs) Well, yes, but if we spend a night out in the elements, I don't see how that would put us in a good condition to face whatever we are going to face tomorrow. Also true. We can potentially, with the use of some intent, use Vamark's demiplane. I think that's a marvelous idea. What say the rest of us? But I think that is more dependent on Vamark's current store of intent and whether or not he thinks it wise to cast it. I think Luna will speak up here. The most important thing is ensuring that we're rested and ready for whatever comes next. If it means spending a night out of the elements, recovering our strength, and getting well for those of us who are injured, hurt, and otherwise, then I think it's a cost at least I'm willing to pay, though I know I won't be the one paying it. And she'll defer her glance to Vamok. Vamok looks like he's thinking, you know, weighing the options in his mind. Because on the one hand, in an effort to be a bit more buddy-buddy with the group, he wants to help out. But on the other hand, it's still tough, because this is, like, his intent. Well, perhaps he does not have to spend it alone. You all have helped each other with intent before. I don't know why it wouldn't work now. After thinking for a moment, Vamak will speak up. It is alright. I will do it. The benefits gained by resting outside of the elements will likely outweigh the cost of being able to do so. So when we get to the top, I will open the portal and we can all rest. It won't be a problem. Well, I think that settles that. I won't lie. The prospect of a decent night's rest really is quite tempting. Do you believe that is all it will take to heal whatever wounds you have accrued? (laughs) Most definitely not fully, but it'll at least help the process along. This uh, being, this magister that greeted you, greeted us, 
the previous day. Do you believe he has all that awaits, or other all that follows? No, by no means. Care to qualify that? You have qualified it many times before this. Uh, true, I have. But I only speak in the abstract. I do not know these beings that chase you. Perhaps I was hopeful you could provide some insight if I am to stay behind and guard your ascent. What will be coming after you? Or rather, who? One of them is a sort of tenuous ally. We've butted heads with him in the past, but he should be doing something in relation to this, a Kadagas. I would... Val sort of, like, goes inherently to, like, conjure a, an, an illusion of what Cad looks like and then stops himself. He is uh, elfkin, tall, gruff. <laughs> Very recognizable, but I suppose you haven't seen him, so... He is... Luna will interject. Despite everything, uh, a friend to, well, our, our cause here. I hesitate to call him a friend to our cause. The way I see it, Cadagas will likely meet us, Magister Morden, as the champion of air, and likely a third party representing Egg and his faction. Because we have the heart of the void in our possession, it pressures any groups who would use it or anything other than our intent to meet us there before we have the chance to utilize its power. Therefore, if Cadagas has any ulterior motives, as I strongly suspect he does. Why would you say that? <sighs> <laughs> A weary sigh. Luna, this may be somewhat harder for you to see, but Cad is not necessarily on our side I would say he is more on your side when we first met him he had many plans of his own many of them specifically concerning you as he himself stated and a man as passionate as him is not likely to give up those plans simply because some others ask him to I would suspect he would not give them up even if you were to ask him to well, I don't think you're wrong, but that does raise something that I've been meaning to talk with you all about, and that is who uses the heart of the void. We've spoken about it extensively, and I think we've come to the conclusion of who should use it when, but I know for a fact that Cad wants me to use it. But you must all understand I have no desire to even touch that thing, and given my lineage, I'm not even sure I can use it in the way that we should. So, should he arrive, she'll turn to Corio. I would say permit him to follow us. And then she'll look back to the rest of the group. But he will disagree with our course of action. I, I believe, however, that he can be persuaded otherwise. Are you going to be the one to persuade him? I'll try my best. And what happens if he cannot be persuaded? What then? Luna will not answer. She'll just look at the ground as she continues to walk. Rolandir shoots Vamok kind of a side knowing glance of just like, well, I know what I'm going to do, but... <laughs> <laughs> Vamok returns the glance and there's like the slight imperceptible nod. They've got this, uh, there's kind of an unspoken death pact 
kind of between, right? If anybody between the crazies, yeah. Well, it's shocking. Like I, yeah, time. yeah. Pretty much, like I'm pretty sure Rolandier and Vamak are on the same wavelength. It's just a matter of who steps out of line first. <laughs> Regardless, I think there is perhaps now turning back to Corio another group that could introduce themselves again. We've already met one of their representatives here on the mountain in Natsunero, but I feel the forces of nature, uh, whatever Egadon was before it was Egadon, could still make another appearance. They seem to be quite persistent. Uh, let us not forget Egg and his supporters. They will also be after us, and the respective godborns. Mick brings up a good point. As soon as I use intent... Egg will know exactly where we are, and he'll be coming for us with everything. So if things are not as clear-cut as they appear right now, she'll just motion to the rather pleasant scene of the stairs climbing up the side of the mountain and the serene atmosphere. Then I'll hold off, and I'll wait for one of you, and she'll just look to each of you in turn to tell me when I should use what I have. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. I would say, Corio speaks up, that of all the warring parties, I believe you can count that Vale's host will be held in reserve. Perhaps his forces can do battle against those that would seek to intercept you here, since you have struck a deal with him. Well, hopefully his numbers are greater than uh, the power that was reserved by his Valors, because they, um... May not be around anymore. You must understand. These Valors were already in a gravely weakened state. I believe, if I've been told correctly, because of your own doings. Yeah, <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> if only we hadn't known we would need to use them for magic batteries later. It's almost like somebody was using us to weaken the gods before making his move. I wonder who that could have been. <laughs> Hard to say. Impossible to know. <laughs> and kind of, you know, just as he's trudging up these increasingly large steps, Rolandier glances and kind of catches a glimpse of Val as he's climbing up in the satchel that the Heart of the Void is in. And as he mounts up the next one and leaving the past conversation just kind of where it was on Valors and how we weaken them. He says, Val, do you feel anything different with the heart? Is it, I don't know, saying anything that feels weird to say <laughs> about it, but I feel like we, we've entered quite literally into a different realm of this peak. I don't know if it can maybe sense that we're getting close. I'll, like, nod at Rolandir and then sort of check in with the heart of the void. Like, does it feel any different to me? Let's do Arcana. Ooh. Of all the time, freaking Val and his lack of proficiency in Arcana. What a stupid wizard I made. <laughs> Fifteen. You are not able to glean any new information from this brief interaction. Um, it doesn't seem different now, but over the last several days I have, I don't know, looked more closely at it in... I, I can't really quantify exactly what it is that I've seen, but it has become more solid to me recently. It, it does not hold that shape for long, but I don't know. It does seem to have, I don't know, a, a will or desire of its own. Which 
I guess kind of makes sense from at least what I remember learning on the island. Everything has a will or desire of some sort, although I think that's based upon the knowledge of intent as it is. I don't know. Perhaps they were speaking of everything in the universe, but I guess what I'm saying is that doesn't concern me too much, more as I find it interesting that and good that you have found this out. Val sort of like, meh, shakes his head a little <laughs> bewildered, befuddled. This thing eludes him and probably always will. Luna, hearing this conversation, obviously, by proximity, says, well, oh, that's an interesting point, Rolandia, but I think, I think at least, it's, it's a bit different. You know, what we learned on the island, everything in the world possessing some kind of will or want. From what I recall, I, I, I thought... It was more about attuning with uh, a natural flow of things that was only interpreted as will rather than something actually expressing will, like falling into a river and moving along with the current. The current is not the will of the river, it's just the force given direction. What are you two going on about? Was this something that you learned on the island? The wills aligning? What? I, I, I don't understand it. Yes, actually. And kind of, you know, scratching his head a little bit. That does ring more true to what they say. Hold on. Since when do you remember the island? I think it's just been coming back bit by bit since, well, since I awoke after that shot from Dominique. <laughs> I almost forgotten about that. What a fun memory. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good times. I almost forgot about that. There's this big bullet-sized hole, like, <laughs> scar in her head. The laugh for Rolandia is what got me. <laughs> now that you say it, it does actually become slightly more concerning of something expressing will in any way. But again, I don't know how much of a chance we really have to understand it before the time comes to use it. Perhaps, and she'll turn to Val, would it be helpful if one of us tried looking at it in the same way that you've been examining it? Perhaps we can get some insight and you can tell us what you've been doing to make it, I'm sorry, did you say solidify? That is the best way I can think to describe it. You you know how you can't sort of, I don't know, perceive it? You just, you look at it and it changes and it's kind of horrible to look at. It solidifies, it becomes still and perceptible, but still strange. Does it always take the same form? This has happened two times. Yes. Was it the same both times? Mmm, I don't know if Val's noticed. Val will shake his head and say, I can't rightfully say it. I, it's only happened twice, and I only remember what it looked like the second time. Well, she'll look back at Rolandir. Perhaps you should take a look at it, just for a moment. I am willing to, although I admit my studies, uh, at least when I was with the kin, studying intent, it was more of a practical nature than whatever this thing is, but sure, I'll give it a go. I don't think there's any harm in looking at it, but perhaps not while we are climbing a mountain in case we should drop this small object down the stairs? I mean, and, you know, we've been hiking for probably a good couple hours or so as we've just been talking. Rolandier, as he kind of rolls himself over the nearest step, <laughs> I, I could at least go for a small break at this point. I think that's a good idea, yes. All right. Val will sit down on the stair, <laughs> very unceremonious, and take the Heart of the Void out of this little pouch and sort of offer it to Rolandier. Corio, noticing this happening behind her, goes, Oh, 
Okay, we are taking a break then. <laughs> Just a small one. Need to look at the rock. Enrylander's going to see what he can glean from this thing. Great, roll Arcana. Well, he's not proficient in that either, so we will see how we do. Maybe you get lucky. 17? You come to a similar understanding of what Val has experienced heretofore, though you do not see it take on a definite shape. It is still, like, every time it dips out of your vision or you blink, present itself differently to you. Okay. While Rolandir was looking at it and examining it, Vamok had initially, like, turned away, but then, like, I don't know, he just, he couldn't quite resist, and so he's gonna kind of, like, almost over his shoulder, starts looking at it as well, starts examining it, even though he knows that he probably shouldn't. Why don't you roll Arcana then, Noah? Okie dokie. That was a natural 20 for a total Ooh. of 23. Oh, okay. oh nice. <laughs> Looking down over Rolandir's shoulder as he just turns the heart of the void over in his hand. Again, every time it passes from your vision, it seems to shift. And then one time as Rolandir turns it over and back again, it's the same shape as it was before. And then Rolandir like shifts in his seat and it goes out of your vision and then back into your vision and it's still retaining that same shape. And probably at this point, Azumok's, you know, still examining it. Rolander kind of turns first to Val, but then kind of motioning to the rest of the group. I really am, as I said, not getting too much out of this. If anybody would like to take another look. And notices Vamok kind of just staring right at it. Vamok, he's kind of like zoned out and just like seeing the heart just kind of like sitting there. With, like, subconsciously, without even thinking, his hand is going to go over and, like, unless somebody stops him, he's not, like, trying to snatch it or anything, but he will, like, try to grab it and then, like, hold it in his own hand and look at it. Since he just proffered it to anyone else wanting to take a look at it, Relander will probably a little soon after he said it, but he allows Vamok to take it out and look at it. And Vamok's just, like, staring at it for a bit, just, like, completely entranced with this. Enamored with this object's shape and facets and angles and sheen and shine, the world around you is quiet, quieter than it was before, even. And there's almost a whisper, very similar to the impressions you would receive on the island when the Kraley would transmit an emotional response. So if you remember, they wouldn't just say, oh, I'm happy or whatnot, but you would feel a smile. You would feel a beckoning. And that's almost what you feel from the heart of the void. But what kind of emotion, what exact action it's putting forward that you've elicited, you can't say as then in the next second you blink and the shape has changed and the noise of the world returns. Vumak just shakes his head a little takes a breath in, realizing that he had stopped breathing for a moment, takes a breath in, and then just, like, puts it back in Rolandir's hand and takes a step back. What's the expression on Vamok's face as he does this? Like, did it just remain unchanged, or was there any sort of break? No, you can tell he's stifling perhaps a bit of excitement mixed with smidge of concern, but he's, like, he's trying to keep it 
as stoic as possible. So it's like like the edges of his mouth are like starting to widen in a smile, but then he like he keeps it on lock. Luna will furrow her brow and look between Vamok and Rolandir, and then her gaze lands on Val. Well, I mean, far be it for me to describe emotions to you, but that looked familiar. If you have experienced the same thing, then yes, I believe it would be quite fruitless to try to describe what it is like to behold. Well, I have experienced it, so if it looks different to you than it did to me, that might be valuable to know. I am unsure of what exactly it was communicating. It was a foreign feeling. It was something outside of what I have felt. It was not a longing for any specific thing. It was not pulling me in any direction, but it felt purposeful. Val nods and says it sort of evades description. Brynir, kind of confused and maybe a little bit jealous that everybody's gonna getting to touch the heart of the void, you know? They're all checking it out <laughs> and whatnot. He, he's going to take it from Rolandir and look at it. Then you want to roll Arcana then? Yeah, I do. Calc 20. As you look at it, Brynir, there is this sense of your rather newfound connection to intent, just not even reading from it. But not even that, as if it were, say, absorbing the intent or ignoring it. It seems as though the energies of the world that you've seen with your own eyes swirl around you when you've tapped into intent. It's almost as if that is in fact the thing exhibiting will, and its will is to avoid the heart at all costs, to the point where your hand starts to become numb the longer you hold it. Yeah, take it, and Brynir will give it back to Orlandir. As Brynir goes to maybe give it back to Orlandir, he kind of just motions to hand it to either someone else or back to Val. Does anyone else want to take a look? Mick is going to chime in and say, well, might as well, and will put her hand on the heart of the void. And specifically, she wants to know if the heart of the void is sentient, almost. As Brynir is going to give the heart of the void to Mick instead, Brynir will relay as best as he can his understanding of what he experienced and hand it over. Okay. Um, and that is a natural 20 right there, so... Dang. For a total of? It would be 24. So as Mick then handles the heart of the void with the express intent to see if it's sentient, you said? Yes. What you feel when you reach out to it is strange. There's definitely a will behind it, as it too seems to finally solidify after one too many times blinking and moving it about in front of you. There's a picture, the briefest flash of something in your mind, and it seems to be, honestly, the mountain ahead of you, which you now ascend. Your view of it from the start of this day, honestly, is what it looks like. And whatever will is implanted in that image, it's almost saying, I want to go there. I want to be there. But there's no reasoning. There's no how or why. Just the what. And then, like the others, it fades. And this greater understanding escapes you. Mick is going to 
jolt herself out of this trance and will, you know, hastily give it back to Val and say, well, one thing's for sure, this, whatever it is, definitely wants to make it up that mountain. So we best be on. With that, it seems the party will fall in behind whoever leads them onward and upward, and the day will press onward. Noon passes by, another break, a small meal of your dwindling food, and finally, as night comes upon you, you know that the summit is maybe an hour away. It's been dark for some time, though. Clouds have rolled in, blocking out the eternal twilight sun, and a fierce wind has picked up. Luckily, with Corio's help, you've been able to find some alcoves in the sides of the mountain where these stairs connect with the natural stone, and you find adequate shelter along a couple different stairs, maybe one, two, or three, where each of you can fit into these individual alcoves. It's going to be a long night, and a difficult one, if you want to spend the night here. The mock, without saying a word to anybody else, is just going to say the words, do the motions for Demiplane, and then just perhaps on the uh, on the vertical surface of, like, the next stair. That's where this door appears, and... He opens it up, lets everybody into a little demi-plane where there's not a whole lot going on. There's like maybe like a little, very simple wooden table and a chair, a couple books or whatever, empty water bucket, empty food bucket, because it's just the same place that uh, we took all the supplies from earlier. As this demi-plane is opened up and everyone finds shelter inside, I assume you'll take a long rest. If you have minor wounds, they're healed. Any HP is restored. Spell slots regained. And after Vamok has ushered everyone inside, about to go in yourself and shut the door behind you, you spare a brief glance up the mountain. And on its rocky side, you see something. A silhouetted figure. And as the clouds break for just a moment and shine this twilight light upon you and it and the rest of the crown of Egadon, you see the form of a strange deer, almost like a gazelle, but it's stark white. And instead of antlers, it sports this almost fungal-looking shelf, and it just looks at you, flicking an ear and its tail, its legs perfectly balanced on the side of this almost sheer incline that stands above you. And these two little black dots of eyes stare down, unmoving. Just when Mach is seeing this, geez Louise, how far away is this thing? Too far to do anything. Ah, geez. Okay. Okay. Oh, man. If it was anything but a deer. As Mach is walking into this demiplane and he sees this deer, he stops and he just stares at it and he becomes entranced just like he was when he was like looking at the heart of the void right he's just like he doesn't hear anything around him and he's just looking at this deer and instinctually he is going to just use intent to try to reach out to this deer to just try to like connect with it to just like he doesn't even have any greater purpose in doing so. He just feels the need to try to be connected with this thing. Roll two D100s. I rolled a 29 and a 15. 
And what is your intention? Just to communicate with it? My intention, it's not even to communicate with it. It's like to connect with it. Like to try to like have, I don't know, just like some sort of a bond, you know, like to like almost, almost to like, you know, like meld minds with it kind of, except for not quite so sci-fi, you know, be connected to it and have it be connected to him and just an open line between the two of them where like thoughts and emotions and feelings can just be like transmitted freely. All right. Well, I got a 72 and a 74. So as you basically just, for lack of a better term, yeah, meld your mind with this animal or what you perceive to be an animal, you are made aware of almost this world-spanning network of consciousness, like a grand spider web that just spreads out from the tip of this mountain down throughout the plains and valleys and rivers and lakes of the fell, and then works its way around in a grand circular motion in the border mountains of the fell. And you see it almost like from a bird's eye view, though really more like a satellite view. This grand eye of the fell, and this arcing energy and patterns, and then it stops. Noticing Vamok, like, just hesitating at the door, staring out, Vamok feels a hand placed on his shoulder, and it's from Rolandir, and he just says, You're coming inside, Vamok. And Vamok, as he looks away from this deer, he feels like he's moving in slow motion. It's not like he just, like, snaps out of it. It's just this is, like, such a weird, weird connection that he has just made. And he looks at Rolandier, kind of the after image of this, you know, this, this network, like, fading before his eyes and materializing into Rolandier. And he just nods, and he looks a little perturbed. I look looks a little almost unsure of like where he is and what's going on and it's just kind of taking him a while to come back down to earth and slowly he makes his way into the demiplane um, with Rolandier's guidance and he goes and he sits down at the little chair by his table and there's like some book that's open already on the table and he just like stares down at it there's like He's not reading it. He doesn't have his normal, like, broody thinking face on. He's just blankly staring at this book. And then slowly, the door to the demiplane fades away, dematerializes as he... Not so much dispelling the spell, but just letting it fade away. Like, no longer feeling the need to keep any of that energy going. And with that, everyone is able to find a warm corner and settle in for... A well-deserved rest on what may very well be your last night on Egadon. 